This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Rachel Maddow Show, The Majority Report, a Best of the Left activism update, comedian Lee Camp, The Young Turks, The Onion Radio News, and The Jimmy Dore Show. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, you cannot actually catch the gay by listening to news stories about them. The best new thing in the world today is a growth opportunity for Republican political strategists, a lucrative source of revenue just waiting to be tapped. Now, I, Jane Lynch, am not normally one to give career advice to Republicans, but guys and gals, there's money to be made on promoting gay rights within the Republican Party. You see, the de facto head of the Republican Party, one Willard Mitt Romney, has taken a strong position on the side of the gay rights debate, that if you're a politician, is getting to be the side you don't much want to be on. But the rest of his party may be about to evolve around him. This weekend, a respected Republican pollster, one who helped President George W. Bush win re-election, wrote a memo to Republican operatives, basically saying, uh, guys, I've got a lot of polling here, and the gay marriage thing is getting kind of popular. And he suggested that Republicans might want to change the way they talk about stuff like gay marriage. Maybe start saying that support for gay marriage is consistent with, quote, Conservative fundamentals. As people who promote personal responsibility, family values, commitment and stability, and emphasize freedom and limited government, we have to recognize that freedom means freedom for everyone. This includes the freedom to decide how you live and to enter into relationships of your choosing. The freedom to live without excessive interference of the regulatory force of the government. Folks, that's a Republican telling Republicans to reframe gay rights. To make equality under the law sound like a conservative principle, which it is. He may be one of the first to do it, but he won't be the last. But Jane Lynch, you ask, where's the job opportunity in all this? After all, we Republicans are all about jobs, jobs, jobs. Well, here it is. Someone's going to have to teach Republicans how to talk about gay rights without seeming like they've caved to the Democrats. Some strategists are going to have to make it their specialty to teach Republicans how to be pro-gay while still sounding angry. (laughs) That's a very tall order, but the good news is you can charge more money. Republicans are trying to figure out how to lose gracefully. Ah, best new thing in the world today. But thank God we still have tremendously huge bigots in this country who uh, are doing their best to fight the gay scourge and keep all those gay penguins out. Shorter University, apparently, uh, forces its 139-year-old Baptist school And in a report inside higher education, uh, the administration forced faculty members to sign a pledge vowing to swear off homosexuality, premarital sex, and drinking. 
And in an anonymous survey, only 12% of the faculty and staff said they planned to stay at that, that university. More than 50 resigned before the new contracts were even distributed. And uh, the rest, I guess, are just planning to see if they can find another job before they go. But not to be outdone, a North Carolina pastor apparently wants to build an electrified fence to corral gay people. Because, you see, if they can't get out, uh, apparently uh, because they cannot procreate, they'll just disappear. This is Pastor Charles L. Worley of the Providence Road Baptist Church in Maiden, North Carolina. And I don't know if we'll show you the picture of this. Or you can see it. But understand, this is not a guy in this like tiny little back-of-the-room church somewhere. This guy is sitting on a huge dais. Or standing. It looks like it's one of those like mega churches. Mega churches. And... Um, well, listen to this. It is absolutely uh, disgusting. Of our president getting up and saying that it was all right for two women to marry or two men to marry. I tell you right now, I was disappointed bad. Uh, but I tell you right there, as sorry as you can get, the Bible's again it. God's again it. I'm again it. And if you've got any sense, you're again it. Pause it for one second. Uh, you apparently can have sense, but very little grasp on proper English. Just FYI. I had a way, I figured a way out, a way to get rid of all lesbians and queers, but I couldn't get it past the Congress. <laughs> Build a great, big, large fence, hundred... 50 or 100 mile long, put all the lesbians in there, fly over and drop some food. Do the same thing with the queers and the homosexuals. And have that fence electrified till they can't get out. Feed them. And, and you know what? In a few years, they'll die out. Do you know why they can't reproduce? If a man ever has a young and praise God, he'll be the first one. All of these. You can just well to amen. I'm going to preach the hell out of all of us. Hey, I, I tell you right now, somebody said, who are you going to vote for? I ain't going to vote for a baby killer and a homosexual lover. You said, did you mean to say that? You better believe I did. God have mercy. It makes me puking sick to think about. I don't even know whether you ought to say this in the pulpit or not. Could you imagine kissing some man? My God, I love you, fella. Uh, you know, it's okay apparently on the pulpit. To say, um, let's uh, round up and imprison people and starve them to death or let them die out. But to say 
Can you imagine kissing a man on the pulpit? I'm again it. God again it. The Bible again it. This guy was definitely primed to uh, vote for President Obama before this, uh, this whole gate. You know what's really also sick is like, why does he have to have this sort of deranged fantasy on how to kill gay people? Why can't he just say, we should just kill gay people? But he's got this whole thing worked out. Very clever. Just going to put them in a camp. And fly over and drop food. We can't drive up to it. Because they'll, they'll put their gay juices and eyes on us. And make us think about kissing man. And they have to say I'm again it. Amen, Sam. Amen. I got to say, it is really... Um, Start the countdown clock uh, until he is found in a uh, rest uh, rest stop on uh, on whatever uh, highway uh, runs through uh, near his uh, church. If you get my drift. We get it almost every night when that moon is big and bright as a supernatural delight. Welcome to the Best of the Left Activism Update. My name is Lauren, and I'm the Activism Czar at bestoftheleft.com. Well, June 5th came and went, and with it, Scott Walker staved off Wisconsin's recall bid to remove the disgraced governor. We know this election was super disappointing for many Wisconsinites, along with progressive union supporters across the nation. But we cannot despair. The election was still really close, despite Walker having outfunded his Democratic opponent, Tom Barrett, 30 to 1, with help from, you guessed it, the Koch brothers. So where do we go from here? The good news for Wisconsin is that there's another important election this November. While Best of the Left often abstains from directly supporting Democrats and focusing our efforts on truly progressive causes, I have made an exception. For over a decade, Tammy Baldwin has represented Wisconsin in Congress, and now she has her sights set on the Senate. As Congress's first openly lesbian representative, Tammy Baldwin has continued to fight for progressive issues on many fronts, including the economy, women's and LGBT equality rights, and was part of the minority who voted against the war in Iraq. Tammy also has a strong record of working hard for veterans, making sure their service and sacrifice is honored by ensuring adequate funding for veterans' health, mental health, education, and job training programs. She also wants to bring the troops back from Afghanistan to focus on nation-building here at home and has stated her desire to keep fighting for accessible health care and tax breaks for the poor and middle class. But she has more than just a Republican opponent to worry about. She has the Koch brothers with their dirty oil, far-right, Tea Party campaign money fueled by their Americans for Prosperity advocacy group aimed at keeping Wisconsin from a completely Democratic Senate. These brothers are on a mission to bring down as many progressive fighters as they can this year. And with the help of Citizens United, they've stockpiled their corporate funding and can always go back for more cash. They've even pledged to spend $50 million from now through November. And that's why we need to fight back as hard as we can right now. The Koch brothers won't stop taking shots at Tammy this year. They are scared of the economic fairness she fights for and they will stop at nothing to silence her. 
This election, Tammy has been building a grassroots campaign to fight back against their misleading attacks, smear campaigns, and big donations from special interests. So please go to the Action tab at TammyBaldwin.com to find ways to get involved and support her campaign. The Koch brothers may have won round one, but they most certainly will not win round two. Let's stand up and show what a progressive grassroots campaign can do. This has been a Best of the Left Activism Update. For more information about the link mentioned in this segment, please see the show notes at bestoftheleft.com. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as five a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. I've been looking forward to doing this story for a long time. Okay, ready? Behold. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, Volume 4. This book is super boring looking and also super important. The DSM, they call it. It is the reference that psychiatrists and therapists and insurance companies and drug companies all consult when they decide if you have a mental disorder. So did your insurance company kick in to help cover the cost of you going to therapy or your antidepressants? Uh, if so, this book and your diagnosis based on what's in this book is part of why. Uh, and it has a big cultural impact beyond medicine. A big part of how we define as a culture what counts as a sickness, what counts as a mental disorder, is framed by what's in the DSM. That's why it was a big deal in 1973 when the American Psychiatric Association decided that homosexuality no longer constituted a psychiatric disorder. They delisted it as a psychiatric disorder in the DSM. For decades, basically forever, psychiatrists had, with this book, said, if you're gay, you're sick. You have a medical ailment, a mental disorder. There is something wrong with you. And so in 1973, when psychiatrists moved to change that, it caused a lot of controversy. One of the prime movers behind that change was this man, Dr. Robert L. Spitzer, a Columbia University professor and psychiatrist who worked on revising the DSM that year. In 1973, he argued for taking being gay off the list of mental illnesses by saying, quote, many homosexuals are satisfied with their sexual orientation and demonstrate no generalized impairment. It does not sound revolutionary now, but it, it was back then. Among the people rocked by this change in the DSM was an industry that claimed to be able to heal gay people of their supposed illness. Suddenly, these folks are being told by the American Psychiatric Association, hey, you are trying to heal people who aren't sick. The anti-gay, we can cure you folks did stick around for years, for decades even, but Frankly, they were on the fringes of quackery, of pseudo-religious, pseudo-medical, anti-gay politics. Until something crazy happened. In 2001, this came out. Can some gay men and lesbians change their sexual orientation? 
This was not published in some quack, fringe, wishful thinking, anti-gay publication. It was not a vanity publishing thing. This was published in a well-regarded, peer-reviewed medical journal called the Archives of Sexual Behavior. And this piece was not published by some anti-gay true believer who was trying and failing to pull on the guise of scientific authority to just justify being super anti-gay. Look at the author of this. Look. Robert L. Spitzer. That would be the same Dr. Robert L. Spitzer, who had been so instrumental in delisting homosexuality as a mental disorder in 1973. In 2001, 28 years after Dr. Spitzer told the country that being gay doesn't make you sick, he published this. This study, which says he studied a couple hundred patients and he found that you could, in some instances, pray away the gay. You could get rid of your homosexuality through therapy or something. He said some gay people essentially could be turned straight. The anti-gay groups, the being gay is a choice people, the you can be cured of your homosexuality folks, they were over the moon. Look at this press release from a pray away the gay group called NARTH, the National Association for Research and Therapy of Homosexuality. Their press release, prominent psychiatrist announces new study results. Some gays can change. Ever since this study came out in 2001, 11 years ago, Dr. Robert Spitzer's work has been cited as proof that if you want it enough, you can turn yourself from gay to straight. The Cure the Gay People have spent that last 11 years moving to the center of anti-gay politics in the United States. They have become as mainstream as you can get in the anti-gay political world. When President George W. Bush urged Congress in 2006 to amend the United States Constitution to make it anti-gay marriage, the Bush White House made sure that a contingent of people who specialize in supposedly curing gay people were in attendance at the White House announcement. This is a press release from Exodus International, one of the big ex-gay Cure the Gay groups. Quote, worldwide network of former homosexuals to take part in Rose Garden ceremony as Bush endorses marriage protection amendment. Quote, the lives of thousands of former homosexuals like me verify that homosexuality is not an immutable trait. Therefore, marriage is not a civil right to be casually granted to any group who demands it. So says Alan Chambers, president of Exodus International. You recognize the guy there on the right? That is Karl Rove uh, with the then vice president of Exodus International in a photo taken at the White House. The cure the gay people at the White House. This year, presidential candidate Michelle Bachman's husband uh, runs a counseling center in Minnesota that is reported to have tried to change patient, patients' sexual orientation. Marcus Bachman denies that that's a service that he offers, but frankly, it is rather convincingly reported in the nation and elsewhere. Also, remember the weird speech that Rick Perry gave during the campaign where he hugged that syrup bottle and everybody wondered if there wasn't something a little off about Rick Perry that night? Uh, that was a speech before a group called Cornerstone in New Hampshire, an anti-gay group in New Hampshire. Their research page of helpful links on the issue of homosexuality lists exactly four helpful links on homosexuality. Four helpful organizations, all of which are organizations that claim to be able to cure gay people, to be able to cure people of having the affliction known as the gay. The presumptive Republican nominee this year, Mitt Romney, his anti-gay politics are also now homosexuality can be cured politics. Uh, we reported on this on this show a while back. And the Romney's charity with the Romney's money supports a lot of conservative causes that the Romney's support. CNN did a report on this the other day, finding out that uh, this foundation has supported like pro-gun groups and the conservative think tank at Stanford and some medical stuff. But they also support, to the tune of $10,000 in one year alone, uh, a group called the Massachusetts Family Institute. 
The Massachusetts Family Institute is an anti-gay group based uh, in Boston, Massachusetts, that advocates all sorts of anti-gay causes. And that explains that if anybody is gay, well, you should quit that. Quote, we encourage the healing of individuals who wish to change their choice of lifestyle through the work of Exodus International, Love One Out, and parents and friends of ex-gays and gays. And how do these recommended groups from the Romney-funded organization propose that you do that? They promote magic therapy by which you can be cured of your affliction, like our old friend Richard Cohen advertised. Another technique, bioenergetics, designed to help clients release memories stored in the muscles, in this case by hitting a pillow with a tennis racket. I was angry at my mother, so I started saying, Mom! 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 Why did you do that to me? What Mitt Romney has been funding as charity is actually advocacy of the predatory quack industry that sells parents on the idea that you can ship off your gay son to a guy like this and he'll ship him back to you straight. It was not an oversight that Mitt Romney's charity gave money to one of these pseudo-scientific cure-the-gay groups. It was not an accident because this is what anti-gay politics are like now. They, they have the you-can-be-cured-of-the-gay message right at the heart of what they do in politics. It has been like that since the bombshell Robert Spitzer study mainstreamed this kind of thinking back in 2001. It has been that way for 11 years now. It has been that way for 11 years until last week when all of a sudden it stopped being like that because last week Dr. Robert Spitzer made it known that he would please like to take that study back from 2001. He would like to retract it. It does not mean what people think it means, and he wishes it had not been published. Last week, the American Prospect magazine published a remarkable piece of reporting, including the explosive revelation that Dr. Spitzer is renouncing this 2001 study that changed gay politics in America ever since. Dr. Spitzer says he wishes he could retract the study from the journal in which it was originally published. He says that efforts to cure gay people of homosexuality, quote, can be quite harmful. Acknowledging that he did not study a representative sample of people, but instead counted on people sent to him from anti-gay groups, Dr. Spitzer now says, quote, the findings can be considered evidence for what those who have undergone ex-gay therapy say about it, but nothing more. Dr. Spitzer essentially saying that study was not science. It was just a series of anecdotes. He's sorry it was published. He wants to take it back. So what does this do to all the cure the gay people? Do they go back to being seen as quacks? Or do Republicans keep inviting them to the White House and speaking before them as presidential candidates? What happens next? Sky, 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 can't see it all at once. Tell, 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 there's no telling what history will bring. That must be why we've learned to pray. Hey, 
As most Americans are becoming increasingly accepting of gay people and gay marriage, there are some churches around the country who are going in the reverse direction. And by around the country, I mean mainly North Carolina. And by going in the reverse direction, I mean freaking the f*** out. Most of you by now are familiar with Pastor Worley, who said that gay people should be locked inside an electric fence together, given food to eat, and then they would eventually die out because they can't reproduce. You have to admit, this plan is flawlessly thought out. For example, Worley made sure it was an electric fence and that there would be food drops. As if otherwise, he would have presented this proposal to his congregation and they would have responded, Hold on just two seconds here. That is the stupidest idea. Even gays know how to cut through a regular fence. You gotta make it electric or something. And furthermore, you better you better have some food drops or something because they're gonna be hungry. And, and if you even thought out the, the mass transit system and, and where they're gonna go for bowling and ping pong, I don't think you've thought this out one bit. But despite all of Worley's planning and blueprints and early mornings and eating extra paint chips just to really get his mind going, he apparently failed to realize that gay people are often born to heterosexual parents. That's right. People are born gay, often to non-gays. You know what people aren't born with? Religion and hatred of an entire group of people. Those two things have to be taught. Those two things have to be jammed into your tiny skull before you're smart enough to be repulsed by it. There's no homosexual Sunday school where children are sent to be trained in the art of gay. But there is a religion Sunday school where scared kids are told to love the Lord or they'll burn in hell. It's not a natural love. It has to be forced on them. There's also a viral video going around right now of a three-year-old boy in church singing ain't no homo going to make it into heaven now I don't know about you but I am disgusted by this video I am absolutely sickened by the idea that parents the idea that parents would spend time and effort to train their sweet impressionable toddler to sing a song with a double negative in it sure it's a positive song because the ain't and the no cancel each other out so that the song actually means all homos will get into heaven but still grammar is so important at that age. Seriously though, I don't know if that church wants to bank all their ignorant anti-homosexual fervor on the three-year-old boy who is already starring in musical numbers. Something tells me that kid might turn out to be a Manchurian candidate. And then there's Pastor Beatty in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, who wants gays and lesbians to be prosecuted. Not clear what he wants them prosecuted for, perhaps existing outside church doctrine, but then you'd also have to prosecute most scientists, which isn't far off in the backwards world of North Carolina. Who needs time machines? Just head down to North Carolina. They burn scientists at the stake, they think vaccines are the devil's work, and they still listen to Smash Mouth. New motto, North Carolina, where modern thought is a thing of the past. Hey, this is Lee Camp. I hope you've enjoyed having my Moment of Clarity rants pumped into your skulls. If you have, you would almost definitely love my free Moment of Clarity backstage podcast where I discuss the topics of the day. You know, the little things like the corporate raping and pillaging of our world. I also have on fun, awesome guests like this lady. <laughs> 
My name is Janine Garofalo. This guy. Hi, I'm John Oliver. Even sometimes this guy. This is Greg Palace, and I've got my zipper caught in moments of clarity. Free at LeeCamp.net, iTunes, Stitcher, or the Android app. Plus, there's a Moment of Clarity book for those of you who thought, I love Moment of Clarity, but I hate how I can't lick it. Well, now you can. The Moment of Clarity book and ebook, get it at LeeCamp.net or on most e reader platforms. And remember, keep fighting and stay angry. Peter Lucas Moses uh, refers to himself as a radical religious uh, person who is with the black Hebrews. And he just uh, pleaded guilty to killing a four-year-old and a woman that he was living with. He killed the four-year-old because he thought he was gay. We have a local news report on this. Let's watch uh, and we'll discuss. Klein says Jaden Higginbotham was the only child who lived with the group who wasn't fathered by Moses. Prosecutors say Moses told Sis to get rid of the boy and became angry when he heard Higginbotham hit another child on the bottom. Klein says based on the action, Moses believed four-year-old Higginbotham was homosexual. In that religious belief of this organization, uh, homosexuality was frowned upon. Klein says Moses took Higginbotham to the garage, played the Lord's Prayer in Hebrew, and shot him. So this isn't just about uh, the kid being possibly gay. I don't even know what it means for a four-year-old to be gay. Um, <clears throat> it, of course, this guy's crazy. He's got the multiple women that he's living with. He believes he's a black Hebrew. And he's probably most upset that the kid is not his, and that creates some sort of problem for him in his mental state. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, having said that, it does give him an excuse, right? And so we think we're getting much better in getting gay rights for Americans. And then you'll see people make the argument, well, you know, gays are different. Don't hate the sinner, but hate the sin. Their lifestyle is horrible, this, that, the other thing. And you know what? That has consequences. And sometimes a four-year-old gets shot in the head because a guy uses that as an excuse to kill him and says, oh yeah, I thought he was gay, so what am I going to do? It says in my religious text that gay is wrong, so I killed him. Look, this is real stuff, and this is what I mean by politics isn't just games. It isn't like, oh, okay, who's going to be better at this game, Republicans or Democrats, conservatives or liberals. Gay people get attacked in this country all the time. This just happens to be an incredibly stark case of it. And it's just so sad to look at that kid and know that that hatred that had bubbled up in this country. And all of those pastors that we showed you over the last week that railing against gays and how we should lock them up in pens and, uh, or, and some of them just saying we should, the government should kill them, etc. Well, sometimes it actually affects people and they actually do kill gay people. And in this case, a four-year-old, and God knows whether he was gay or not gay or who cares, but he was killed anyway because of that climate and culture of hatred that was built around this issue. Kentucky legislature bans gay pet weddings. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. 
Kentucky lawmakers dealt a harsh blow to same-sex pet advocates today as they unanimously voted to outlaw gay pet weddings. Republican State Senator John Westwood vowed to protect the tradition of pet marriage in the bluegrass state. Pet marriage is a sacred bond between a male dog and a female dog. And that's just the way it is. That's the way it's always been. Disappointed activists advise owners of gay pets still determined to be married to travel to Vermont, where all manner of depraved coupling somehow remains legal. Doyle Redland for The Onion Radio News online. Since the number one uh, No is the saddest experience you'll ever know Yes, it's the saddest experience you'll ever know The thing about rights is that you are not supposed to vote on them. That's why they're called rights. And when you do put rights up for a vote, when you put minority rights up for a vote, the majority tends to vote against them. On the issue of marriage equality, uh, those rights have been put up to a statewide vote 34 times in the last 15 years, and they have lost 33 out of 34 times. The one time gay rights didn't lose at the ballot box was one year in Arizona. Arizona voted on it again two years later, and it lost. The state banned same-sex marriage in the second vote. So there is no state in the union, none. Liberal, conservative, in between, no state in which marriage rights, marriage rights have been upheld in a vote. Minority rights do not fare well at the ballot box. But something kind of amazing has just happened in the great state of Maryland. In Maryland, the state legislature there passed same-sex marriage rights, uh, giving gay couples the legal right to get married starting on January 1st of next year. But before that can happen, opponents to the new law are expected to gather enough signatures to get a referendum on the law put on the ballot in November. And remember, that's not good news if you support marriage equality because no state has ever said yes to same-sex marriage at the ballot box. Well, shortly after Maryland's governor signed this law in early March, PPP did a poll in the state to see whether people would vote for or against the marriage law if it does go to a referendum. And the results were actually pretty good for marriage equality supporters. A majority of people in Maryland supported the law. Same-sex marriage rights were ahead by eight points. That was in March. They just redid that same poll a few days ago. And all of a sudden in Maryland, wow, something has happened. Now, same-sex marriage rights are winning not by 8 points in Maryland, but by 20 points. That is a 12-point swing. What happened? Here's what happened. One large and very influential voting bloc in the state of Maryland, a bloc that makes up nearly 30% of the population in that state, over the course of the last two months, went through a massive transformation on this issue. African-American voters in Maryland just a couple of months ago in that first poll in March were against same-sex marriage rights in their state by 17 points. Now, they are for same-sex marriage rights by 19 points. Same poll. That is a 36-point swing in two months. Nothing swings 36 points in two months in American public opinion. Nothing. This just, this just does not happen. For me personally, it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. 
When the president came out for marriage equality, everybody knew that it was important and it was historic, but nobody really knew what its practical effect was going to be. That, that is part of what made it important, that he made this pronouncement without any political certainty about what would happen as a result. That is part of why it was a big deal. Now we are starting to find out what the result was of that pronouncement. It's not just counting up who agreed with him already and who disagreed with him already and how this is going to change their opinion or their likelihood to vote. He is changing people's minds. What this means for the country yet, we do not know. But in the state of Maryland, we can count overtly how much of a quantitative difference that decision by the president has just made. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Okay, this week's Oh My God uh, is going to be pretty special. It's going to be elongated. So there's a guy down in, uh, doesn't matter, it's in Fayetteville, Louisiana. And uh, he has some, I'm just going to play it. He has some advice to you on how to handle your kids if you think they might be gay. So your little son starts to act a little girlish when he's four years old. And instead of squashing that like a cockroach and saying, man up, son, get that dress off you and get outside and dig a ditch because that's what boys do. You get out the camera and you start taking pictures of Johnny acting like a female. And then you upload it to YouTube and everybody laughs about it. And next thing you know, this dude, this kid is acting out childhood fantasies that should have been squashed okay <laughs> oh my god there's more there's more coming okay. can i make it any clearer can you make yes yes you can <laughs> i have a feeling you're gonna make it clear dads uh-huh the second you see your son <laughs> dropping the limp wrist you walk over there and-, and you give him a hug and you say no matter what happens i'm gonna love you because i love you unconditionally my love my love isn't de- dependent on your masculinity or your femininity you're a child we're all created children of god Is oh and what- also why are you expressing your homosexuality through a limp wrist there's so many better ways we've come yeah, up I'm- with since then it's retro yeah. though yeah maybe that's it yeah. yeah so let's see if that is that what he's gonna say you think we'll see Wrist. Oh, did not. No. Man up. Man up. Give him a good punch. Give him a punch. Wow. Okay. But if you crack it, it may remain permanently limp. I mean, I, I feel like there's a concern here that you will create a permanent injury. In Manning that. up, and uh, this guy literally is saying, "Man up by hitting your children." Yes. Hit someone much weaker than you who can't defend themselves. Man up. That's how you become a man. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, if you do man up and go to the military, I want you out of there. <laughs> yes. I don't want you doing that. Yeah, you can't be limp-wristed at the military. Okay, there's more, there's more to this. You're not going to act like that. You were made by God to be a male, and you're going to be a male. And when your daughter starts acting too butch... 
So you, you tell her, don't worry, honey. There's a lot of people like that. Look at Billie Jean King, and uh, there's a, don't worry about it. Rachel You're, Maddow. Rachel, I still love you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. What is that what he's going to say? You rein her in. Oh, no. And you say, oh, no. Oh, no, sweetheart. You can play sports. Play them. Play them to the glory of God. But sometimes you're going to act like a girl and walk like a girl and talk like a girl and smell like a girl. And that means you're going to be beautiful. You're going to be attractive. You're going to dress yourself up. Right. <laughs> right. Wow, I didn't know the great Santini had a church. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, there really is nothing more beautiful than what is obviously a lesbian in a dress. <laughs> that is one of the most unfortunate sights I can imagine, actually. What, a, a lesbian in a dress? Would... Depends on the lesbian. Well, I mean, I mean like someone who obviously is ha- would ha- be happy to be a lesbian, like in terms of physical appearance. You mean like a more... Butch- and you've put a, put a dress on them and maybe some lipstick. That's it's why you'd just... like me in a dress, because I look like a lesbian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's kind of counterproductive to their purpose they don't want teen pregnancy and frankly i think one of the greatest ways for teenagers to avoid pregnancy is just to have sex with people of the same sex because there you go it doesn't result there in you that. go I, well i just so. want to know where this guy hides his bet midler cds because <laughs> you know yeah the the lady doth protest too much yeah he protests way too much and or his, as i like to say the closeted homosexual that yeah, it's probably under his much. Teen Beat magazine is really what. <laughs> He's, uh, I'm sure he was a Leaf Garrett fan. As and he man. writes fan fiction about Glee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's a little bit. I think there's a little more. You say, can I take charge like that as a parent? Yeah, you can. Uh, You're authorized. I just gave you a special dispensation this morning to do that. Ah, uh, that is funny. How we go hit our kids. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's funny when he talks about it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and shaming your kids' uh, sexuality. It's nice. It's The that, depth of the spirituality that is involved in encouraging people to beat their kids is just overwhelming. Yeah, it's... I mean, I'm 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 almost gonna weep from uh, you know. But there's nothing better. Yeah. I, I, like the if you, if you have a daughter who's mm-hmm. butch mm-hmm. and you and you just yell at her, you just yell, "I want you to be pretty." <laughs> <laughs> I think that works. If you beat your kids enough, the bruise sometimes the bruises will start to look like the Virgin Mary, <laughs> and it's, then it's a miracle. Okay, so now there was an outrage about this over the weekend, right? So it happened. This this clip got made its way around, right, and uh, went viral, as the kids say. As the kids say, and so uh, they uh, a news reporter tra- tracked this guy down, and he's got some good uh, he's got some good excuses or some. I'm good, sure he was very some explanations. Sorry his... about what he said. He's very, well. Yeah, I'm surprised the reporter could make it all the way back to the 1950s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have a special teleporter over yeah. at ABC, but no, he. He's, you're going to be, if you think he's going to be sorry, I think you're going to be sadly mistaken. Okay, here's what he says. What would you have said differently? I would say straighten. That's one thing I would say. Straighten that wrist. Straighten that wrist, not, <laughs> not smack it, see? Oh, I not see. Straighten so that wrist. Really, More it's like a, a brace that you need, some sort of... <laughs> yes, that's what Some it sort of CVS product, turn, really. Turn it that, into a Sig Heil. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. More, of a, more of a Hitler salute, mm. right? And, uh, okay, there's more. Um, but, what about the punch remark? Sure, the punch remark, you know. It's amazing how punch has been equated to inciting violence against anyone. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, by Webster's. <laughs> I meant Hawaiian punch. <laughs> it's me says it's amazing to me when I said punch your kid. People thought I meant punch their kids. <laughs> what is what's wrong with you? When you hear a guy screaming punch your kids, and then all of a sudden you're like, should I punch my kids? <laughs> I'm like, what's wrong with you? What do you think I said? I said punch your kids, and you're gonna go punch your kids. <laughs> Yes, it's amazing how telling people to punch your child if he's gay can be interpreted as, interpreted as if you meant to say punch your kid if he's gay. Isn't that? It's amazing. Okay. Well, is punching going to help? Because if you've watched MMA, I, I don't know, you're mm-hmm. all gentlemen. I'm assuming you've watched a few. It's one of the most homoerotic sports I've ever seen in yes, my life. So I don't, I don't know that punching him is really going to lead him down a path where he's not grappling other men's. You know, I Genitals. do. I do like to watch uh, MMA. And what I, is MMA? In mixed martial arts. It's where they get in the oh. cage and beat. It's the like hell Ultimate out. Fighter. Yeah, wrestling and jujitsu and karate and boxing. You know what, all by the way, you like, know what that needs like is oil. I... Those guys need to be oiled up more, <laughs> and then I'll get in. Well, it. and the sumo thong, personally, I think could really make a comeback. They should just do it nude, the way the Greeks did it. I'm, I'm. A, oh, that is how they did it, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. The Greeks, Tell me those the Greeks did everything new though, and they were yeah. having a good time. Yeah. They really, they you know that's why the, you know that's why they don't have, and that's good, what screwed up their economy. They don't have pensions. Ultimately. They don't have yeah. pensions. Well, at anyway. least that's the impression I get from the pottery that they left. <laughs> it their, looked like their, their favorite party. show back then was Greek. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. You know, I only speak two words in Greek, right? Ouch and relax. Okay, <laughs> okay here we go. That's not what I meant. That's when not what he said, meant. said, give him a good punch, yeah. what exactly did you mean? A shove. <laughs> <laughs> That's much better. <laughs> Whenever anyone says punch, they mean shove. Isn't that, mm-hmm. a, isn't that just common language? Common knowledge, right? Uh, so he, so why'd you shove him? Because he told me to punch him. First of all, <laughs> first of all sho- and shoving so much better. I meant mm-hmm. shove him, maybe elbow him, not mm-hmm. punch. Uh-huh. Come on, you guys. Mm-hmm. Let's really rein this in. Mm-hmm. This, little this, purple nipple, you know. You can twist it any way you want. <laughs> <laughs> He's, I, I gotta play that again because that was pretty amazing to me okay ready what exactly did you mean a shove <laughs> a shove an affirmation an affirmation, an affirmation. <laughs> I'll give you an affirmation right across your uh, mouth you little is there anything more life affirming than someone using physical violence to shame a child's true nature is there i wasn't well he was affirming the nature he's he's literally beating your successfulness into you i don't understand how you shove them and issue an affirmation at the same time you did a great job johnny that that's some, that's very somehow that affirms your, somehow that affirms mm-hmm. your masculinity right Apparently. he's gonna explain it i think just give their players a good punch of- yeah he's talking about how coaches give their player go we'll do it again an affirmation. You see, coaches give their players a good punch, a good slug. It's 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 a way of affirming the gender distinctions between a male and a female. Yeah, how else are you going to know if you're a boy or a girl unless you get punched in the right way? Yeah, I, rem- oh. I remember when uh, when Weeb Eubank used to haul off on Joe Namath. It was <laughs> that's the only sports reference I know. Wow. so I had to do Weeb. You got one from 50 years ago. That I was think beautiful. what he's saying is. Uh, don't hug your kid. Yeah. That's what he's saying is if you're a man, don't express affection except by physical violence. By physical violence. He's like, uh, the only way I know how to affirm is to give him a little shove. Yeah, get over here. I love you. I want to shove you. Right. <laughs> Did you go, go over there and give your brother a shove? Tell him you're sorry. <laughs> well, and to be fair, I think it's good to, you know, not coddle kids you know they fall down. Don't. Right. But, yeah. but at the same time, I don't understand the gender differentiation. 
in the situation. That's what really disturbs me is that not only would you choose to beat your children, but you're beating them differently depending on what uh, genitalia they seem to have. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I wonder if it, so, yeah, he's. I have a feeling that what this guy's real logic is, is you know how people, when they catch their kids smoking cigarettes, they make them smoke a whole pack. Maybe like, that. I have a feeling when he catches his kid. Acting gay, he anally has sex, <laughs> sex, has oh, sex with him. Oh, takes them just to a to, Broadway show, just, yeah. makes them put up track lighting. <laughs> just to prove that, you know, just to teach him a lesson. Makes him, uh, he waxes their eyebrows. <laughs> makes him read the bell jar. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and, and then he violates them, uh-huh. right? Just to make sure. You yeah, don't... now you learn your lesson. And, and, and the whole teach time. I'm going to teach you this lesson every night. I'm going to teach you this being lesson. Being gay isn't so fun, is it? No, no, this is bad, isn't it? You're not enjoying it. That's right. Okay. Okay, Jerry Sandusky, easy. He's got more to say. I was apologizing for my failure to say the right thing, to be more careful, to, to, to make. Yeah, so when he said punch, he's apologizing for saying punch instead of shove. Mm-hmm. This is literally what his apology is. Mm-hmm. sure that no one thinks that Sean Harris is suggesting, as was said, although I never said this, beat the gay out of children. Uh, but you did say punch your kid if he's gay. Or no, crack his wrist. He's, no, he's right there because he, he doesn't want to suggest. Suggest that he did that. He didn't suggest it. He said it. <laughs> yes, he, there was no suggestion involved. Right. There was that. This is not the. He's not a hypnotist. <laughs> well, and you're now, not going to. We've never met before, have we? <laughs> you're not going to beat the gay out of them. You're just going to beat the the S and M into them. Is really all you're going to do. <laughs> yes, that is true. Those weren't his more my words. I didn't even use that. I don't even believe there are such thing as gay children. So, so I wasn't saying that. <laughs> so, again, you guys, how you're twisting my words. I don't. I was dealing with effeminate behavior and instructing parents to affirm the manhood or the womanhood in their children. <laughs> so, if someone has effeminate, I don't care if he's gay. Even if he's straight and he's effeminate, you hit him. <laughs> you hit him. Listen, give him a shove. If your son wants to do a one person show about Judy Garland, fine, but not in a dress. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I heard a few amens on that recording. Yeah. Because they knew what I meant. (laughs) Exactly. They meant hit this kid who's gay. (laughs) Now, here's his congregation. He's always has a little levity into it, and that's why we all laugh. because we know our pastor. We- yeah, we can know. That's why, because he always put, he puts levity into it. You know, the levity when you scream at your daughter to be prettier right. and uh, you punch your kid mm. for being effeminate. You know, that and, kind of levity. And whenever this guy uh, ha- has to bring his kid to the emergency room and the, the doctors <laughs> always look at him and go, oh, you're such a kidder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stand guard like a postcard of a golden retreat. Remember, we told you about a pastor in North Carolina who said that we should set up camps for gays and lesbians with electrified fences and 
wait till they all die out. Well, uh, there's now a pastor in Seneca, Kansas, who's going to way, way outdo him. Pastor Curtis Knapp, he's the uh, pastor of the New Hope Baptist Church. And he says, why bother with all that stuff? Why don't we just kill them all? Let's listen. They shall be put to death. That's what happened in Israel. That's why homosexuality wouldn't have grown in Israel. It tends to limit conversions. It tends to limit people coming out of the closet. Oh, so you're saying that we should go out and start killing them. No, I'm saying the government should. They won't, but they should. Say, I can't believe you. You're horrible. You're a backwards Neanderthal of a person. Is that what you're calling scripture? Is God a Neanderthal backwards in his morality? Is this his word or not? If it's his word, he commanded it. It's his idea, not mine, and I'm not ashamed of it. Now, it's his word, so he's not ashamed of it. So whatever God commanded and is in the Bible, you must follow the letter of the law, right? No question about it. That's what the pastor says. So let's do our usual fun thing, which is read the Bible. Okay. First, uh, he mentioned Leviticus in there. Well, if God says it in Leviticus, it must be true. Of course, a lot of you are already familiar with this. Leviticus 11.10 But whatever is in the seas and the rivers that does not have fins and scales among all the teeming life of the water and among all the living creatures that are in the water, they are detestable things to you. In other words, eating shrimp, lobster, crab, etc. is an abomination. Well, God said it. I mean, it's not the pastor, it's not me. God said it. God can never be wrong. So if you've ever eaten any of those things, uh, enjoy hell. Because that's where you're headed. Okay? I, I didn't say it. God said it. Maybe we should get it started early, right? Maybe the government should do it. Nah, they probably won't. Do you think they'll execute everybody who's eating lobster? Nah. Nah, they probably won't, but they probably should. It's God's word. All right, but we're just getting warmed up. How about Genesis 38, 9, 10? Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So when he went into his brother's wife, oh, drums, he wasted his seed on the ground in order not to give offspring to his brother. But what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord, so he took his life also. So let's break this down. First of all, Onan's a bad, bad man. He's going into his brother's wife. Second of all, he's a bad man because he doesn't want to give his brother any children. He's like, I'm not having sex with your wife, but I don't even want you to have my kids because somehow they would go to you and I don't like that. So, but that's not why God killed him. God killed him because he did coitus interruptus. He pulled out before orgasm and wasted his seed. Now let me ask you guys something. God said it. Do you think we should kill everyone who's ever done coitus interruptus? Who's pulled out before a culmination in sex? But wait a minute, the pastor in Kansas, I thought you said it's God's word. And we should follow God. And I love God's priorities. He's like, oh, you stripped your uh, brother's wife. Yeah, I'll give you a pass on that one. Okay, oh, you're jealous of him and don't want him to have kids. Yeah, I'll give you a pass on that one. What? You wasted your seat, you son of a... Dead. Struck him dead. Okay. By the way, there's the same verse that's uh, used to justify... Uh, masturbation being a sin. You cannot waste your seed. Now, if, of course, we kill everybody who's masturbated in the country, well, then, ironically, we would have a liberal country run by women because there'd be no men around. Okay? And there probably wouldn't be that many women around either, but 
And uh, not necessarily the direction that I would want to go, but God said it. So what can I do? And then finally, Deuteronomy 25, 11, 12, and I can keep busting you up all night long. I'm just giving you three fun ones here. Uh, if two men, a man and his countrymen, are struggling together, this is very specific, follow with me, and the wife of one comes near to deliver her husband from the hand of the one who is striking him and puts out her hand and seizes his genitals, then you shall cut off her hand, you shall not show pity. Okay, this one is awesome. So two dudes are fighting, and the wife sees it and says, oh my God, i got to go help my husband. She's allowed to go help her husband. She can punch the dude in the face, hit him with a bat, whatever she wants. She goes for the gonads, bam, gone. Hand is gone. Show no pity. God said it. It must be true. We have to do everything God said in the Bible. So, now this is not a scenario that arises very often, but if it does, let's make sure we cut our hand off. There's some chance that we shouldn't really take the Bible literally. Some chance. Just put some thought behind it. NAACP is 103 years old, the nation's oldest civil rights organization. Today they announced that they are endorsing equal marriage rights for same-sex couples. Now, in some ways, this parallels the decision on this issue by President Obama. Like President Obama, the NAACP had already recently taken the position in favor of same-sex marriage rights in some specific states and in some specific local contentious issues. But before this vote by their board, before this 62 to 2 vote by their national board, they had not taken a national position on this issue in general. This is a big deal for a few different reasons. First, because support for same-sex marriage has been softer among African Americans than among white people and Latinos in this country. Uh, there has been talk on the anti-gay right of trying to use the issue of same-sex marriage to turn gay people and black people against each other in this country for political purposes. And then I guess gay black people get divided personally, left leg one way, right way the other, or something. Um, there's also been concern in the Democratic Party that if elements of the African-American community disagree with the president's position in favor of gay rights, maybe that could soften his rock-solid support among African-American voters. Well, the NAACP, the nation's oldest and largest African-American civil rights organization, taking this stand is therefore a big deal. But the other reason this is a big deal is emotional. It's personal. Something kind of remarkable happened when the group's national president, Ben Jealous, made this announcement about his organization today. Watch what happened. Uh, you'll see in this clip, he's just made the announcement about the NAACP national endorsement of same-sex marriage rights. And he has been asked a question about whether a, he's worried about a backlash against the decision from NAACP members who dissent from that position for religious reasons. This was Ben's response. Watch. I would like to point out that many of us are religiously based. The bishop, chairman, who's a ordained reverend, myself who was an altar boy. Uh, we do this work because of our faith, not in spite of it. With that said, our calling as an organization is to defend the U.S. Constitution. We are here to speak to, again, matters of civil law and matters of civil rights. 
I've spoken to many clergy who feel differently, different sides, different theologies, different doctrines. All are very clear that if this is a difference, it is a difference, not a division. If this is a contrast, it is a contrast, not a conflict. To a one, they understand that there are well... <clears throat> Excuse me. To a one... Excuse me, I'm a bit moved. My um, <clears throat> parents' own marriage was against the law at the time, and they had to return here to Baltimore after getting married in Washington, D.C. And the procession back was mistaken for <clears throat> a funeral procession because it was so quixotic to people to see all these cars with these headlines on, headlights on having to go from one city all the way to the next just so they could have a party after they got married in their own home. <clears throat> it's an important day. Thanks for listening, everyone. So I have exciting news today. I've created a formula, a mathematical formula. It's going to be great. I'm going to share that with you right now, as well as the story behind how I came up with it. So this actually uh, sort of like coattails right off of my commentary from the previous episode, which if you didn't hear, I'll reiterate that I, I was telling a story that sort of illustrates the idea of trying to give a little bit more credit to anyone you're debating, you know, politically or otherwise, in the event that they seem to be taking a position that is so wrong, so far adrift from anything resembling reality that you think they must be just insane or mentally handicapped to believe what they believe, and, and to, to take into consideration the possibility that it, it's not really that they're insane – it's just that there's a fundamental misunderstanding going on. So I told a story about a guy who fundamentally misunderstood how evolution works, and that was his reason for not believing in it, because he didn't he, he he didn't understand the fundamentals of it. So he thought it worked in some crazy way, and he, then he thought very reasonably, so, "Well, that's crazy. It doesn't. That can't work." And so then he didn't believe in it, uh, which was a very reasonable and rational thing for him to do. Because he started with a flawed foundation of knowledge. So I gave this commentary trying to, you know, urging people to take a minute, give people a little bit more credit, and, you know, don't jump to these conclusions. Don't assume that the people you're dealing with are, you know, as stupid as they seem. Because in all actuality, they're probably not. And unfortunately, my commentary didn't go out quite soon enough to inoculate the entire country against this news story that I heard reported on multiple political podcasts that I like, as well as being told to be my by multiple friends who, who brought it up to me directly. It's a story you may have heard of it. Conservatives responding on Twitter to the Obamacare ruling from the Supreme Court saying, that's it. This country's too socialist. I don't want any part of that healthcare plan. I'm going to Canada. Which is hilarious, of course, because look how stupid these conservatives are for believing that they'd be better off in Canada than in America 
when Canada is only you know five times more socialist than we are, especially in their healthcare system. So it's, look at these stupid conservatives; they're so funny. So I heard that reported a bunch of places, and uh, and had it brought up to me by a friend making a joke. And my response, I promise you, my original reaction was, I don't believe it. I, I just don't believe that there are actually that many conservatives tweeting that, much less you know thinking it or saying it or anything. I just, like, conservatives hate Canada. They talk all about how they hate Canada and Canadian healthcare services, and they wouldn't want to move because they're not that stupid. I just don't believe that they're that stupid. So, anyways. You know, this this was it was a news story. It was on BuzzFeed, and then it got picked up on Huffington Post. And between those two sites, uh, and probably other places, it, it spread to like every liberal liberal in the country wanting to make fun of stupid conservatives. And like I said, I didn't believe it. I frustrated a friend of mine saying I didn't believe it, and you know, I said, "Yeah, I don't. I just I bet that that's they're probably liberals just making a joke." It's not really conservatives. And they said, no, no, no. The, the, what's funny is that they're conservatives and they don't understand. I was like, no, I get what it's supposed to be. I just don't believe it. So anyways, I, so I decided to just do the research myself. I wanted to run the test because I, I'm curious that way. So today I went to the original BuzzFeed post where you can actually link back to all of the original uh, Twitter accounts for all these people uh, who, who posted some tweet making some reference to moving to Canada. And here's how it broke down. There were 17 tweets on the list. This is my independent research, so if you don't trust me, go look yourself. So of the 17, three of them, I could basically confirm, given the uh, evidence available, that they were some variety of conservative. Now, whether they were joking or not about moving to Canada is unknown. You know, conservatives are capable of having senses of humor as well. So that's a possibility. Uh, seven of them were definitely liberals simply making a sarcastic joke. Uh, three of them were blocked. So you couldn't really do the research on them uh, because I think all of the people on the list got responses on Twitter and were like flooded with responses to their messages. And, uh, and, and so at least, uh, three, three or, well, there's another one there. Uh, so four were blocked. The fourth one that was blocked, uh, the original tweet included a sarcastic, like winking smiley face. So it was clearly a joke. I, I will take that as a joke. Uh, let's see. There was another one that there was a conservative referring to the idea that America is becoming like Canada, which is not at all the same as saying, that's it. I'm moving to Canada. I'm out of here. Um, there was one, this one's funny. There's a guy referring to, uh, wanting to move to Canada so that he, he could get pot there. And it actually had nothing to do with the healthcare situation at all. And he just got swept up in this by being added on that list. And then finally there was uh, a, a liberal adding to the liberals joking. There was a liberal who wasn't necessarily joking. She was just referring to the idea that the healthcare bill wasn't liberal enough for her. Therefore, she wanted to move to Canada. So she clarified in a tweet later saying, I believe in a unified national health care system. Modern times call for it. The conservative Supreme Court is limiting. So there you go. This was reported by you know, liberal shows and friends passing it to friends, making jokes about conservatives. And it turns out that of the 17 posts, three of them can now be confirmed as vaguely conservative sounding people. And so this brings me to the formula I've created. 
Of the 17 posts, three were what people sort of believed that it was as they were reporting it. And so uh, so that is the calculation I'm going to use from now on. This is totally rock-solid numbers. Take this to the bank. Bet the house on it. 20%. I'm going to give it 20%. Anytime you hear something like this where conservatives are being mocked or liberals are being mocked or whatever, I'm going to say that 20% of the time there's going to be some truth to it. 20% of the people, 20% of conservatives who made some comment about I'm, I'm getting out of this country. I'm going to go to Canada because I can't stand Obama. I'm going to say 20% of the time they're not joking. 80% of the time it's either conservatives or actually much more likely liberals joking, making fun of conservatives, pretending to be a stupid conservative. So that, that's my conclusion on that. And, you know, like, of course, when you break down any form of humor like this, it sucks all of the humor right out of it. And I, I also want to mention that I think the author of the BuzzFeed article got the joke himself. Like, I don't think he was confused. I think that everyone who responded to it incorrectly was confused. And all the liberals who wanted to believe this hilarious thing about idiot conservatives uh, misinterpreted it and, and didn't report it accurately. And it just spread that way. And so I'm being kind of the wet blanket on this issue, but here's here's what it made me think of. When when you allow yourself to so easily be convinced of the absolute stupidity of your political adversaries, it sort of does, I think, and, I mean, and this is like a really, really watered down version of this, but liberals will often talk about the horrors of war and the horrors of, of what soldiers have to go through because the soldiers are taught that their enemies are less than human. The, the enemies are dehumanized to make it easy to kill them. And I think that when we allow so easily for conservatives to be demonized and, and made out to be these like cartoonish, buffoonish uh, you know, caricatures of, of who they really are, that it, it sort of dehumanizes them. And then, like, we're left in a position to have absolutely no ability to have a conversation. So, you know, liberals – and, like, I agree with this. Liberals lament the idea that we don't have reasonable conservatives to debate anymore. I think that the Republican Party has gone way far to the right in the last 30 years. Uh, you know, re reasonable Republicans used to exist and were in the mainstream, and they're not anymore. And, uh, you know, so that's – it's a lamentable thing. But I don't think that we're doing ourselves or anyone else any favors in actually trying to make the country better by dehumanizing conservatives the way stories like this do, the way it's reported and they're just like made fun of and look how stupid conservatives are. You know, Because the same thing happened with the get your government hands off my Medicare signs. I'll grant you, I think 20% of those signs were genuine, written by genuinely stupid people. I think 80% of them were written by liberals to go and make a joke. And so it gives us this skewed perspective on who we're actually dealing with. And that, you know, rule number one is know your enemy, right? And I don't really think we know the people we're arguing with because I think we think of them in this sort of like cartoon version of themselves. And that doesn't help us at all. So there you go. That is your wet blanket moment of the day. And uh, to end on an up note, if you have a name for my formula, please call in and give suggestions of what I should name this formula because I just made it up right before I started talking for the show today. And I, I didn't have time to uh, name it something cool or funny. So suggestions are definitely welcome on that.
So that's it for today. Thanks to everyone who supports the show by becoming a member or making a one-time donation. That is how the show survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it or by spreading the word of individual clips you particularly like, including the commentary you just heard through your social networks that can be done in the show notes. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor